How often do we think about the incarnation or the fact that God became human and dwelt among us? How often do we think of that as a demonstration of God's love? I've been reading Isaiah and thinking about places like uh, Paul's words to the Philippians when he said, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and made himself human, taking on the very nature of a slave. And being found in appearance as a person, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. I started thinking about how God, the creator of everything, this amazing place we live, the breath that we breathe, God in heaven, got down on his hands and knees, took on flesh and crawled into this world to save us. I know it's, we've heard it so many times, right? The church has been talking about this for 2,000 years. But it's amazing when you begin to think about it, that God became human so that he could redeem us. Well, I've been listening to Isaiah 35. And if you wouldn't, open up your Bibles. We're going we're gonna to be there this morning. And if you also, if you uh, would like, there's also this insert in your bulletin. <clears throat> if that's uh, helpful for you to look at that as well. Now, <clears throat> many of you who have read Isaiah, you know of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who lived uh, around the 8th century uh, B.C., so a few hundred years before Jesus. And he was talking to a people who were getting ready to go. Well, they weren't getting ready. They didn't totally realize it at the time. But to a people who were about to go into exile. And so many of the, part, the first parts of Isaiah are talking about judgment. There's also these, par- these portions of hope these portions that look forward to when Christ would come and bring them back home. And also they talk, if you listen to it carefully, it's not always um, obvious, or at least not spoken outright, but there is God's love woven through all of this. So let's read Isaiah 35 together. Isaiah says, The, the desert and the parched lands will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And the highway will, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. They will enter Zion with singing, and everlasting joy will be a crown upon their heads. Gladness and joy will not overtake them, and sorrow and singing will flee away. Now as I've been (laughs) reading this passage and listening to the prophet Isaiah, there's tons here. (laughs) You could preach weeks of sermons out of this. 
But I was drawn, especially as we come, uh, come towards Christmas, especially verses 5 and 6. They're talking about God and about the way this re- or what this redemption would look like. And as I was thinking about it, I was, uh, it was realizing how deep God's re- redemption is. This goes below just the redemption of our soul and deep into the redemption of our bodies as well. That God is redeeming all of us. But it's also amazing to me to think about the way God is doing this. And I'll get into that. So I wanted to say, so let's begin first at verses 5 and 6 if you want to look there. Let me read that again. He said, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I was realizing that as I was reading, as I was listening to this, that redemption is framed in terms of the body. Isaiah is speaking about redemption in terms of our physical bodies, which is interesting for me because as a church we often talk about redemption in terms of our soul or our spirit, which is true. But here Isaiah is also talking about in terms of our bodies. You know, he doesn't say that they will be given a new knowledge. He doesn't say that they will be be given a soul consciousness. He says their eyes will be opened. Their ears, they will hear again. The lame, those who can't walk, they will leap like deer. And people who can't speak, they will begin shouting for joy. There's this earthiness to it, this rootedness to it, a humanity to it. Isaiah is speaking about redemption that covers a whole person. You know, and the church has struggled with this uh, since the beginning. Um, No history lesson here, but there's a lot. Like in the early church, there were certain Christians who were deeply influenced by Greek thought, Greek philosophy. And they started talking about how, how the spirit was good and that was the part that God saved, but the body was bad. And so all sorts of weird things came out of that. Places where sometimes people uh, in their faithfulness, trying to be more faithful, they would actually try to harm their bodies. They would, they would starve themselves or they would beat themselves. They would do all sorts of crazy things to try and destroy their flesh so that their spirit could live. And then there's some that went the opposite way. There were some who said, you know, because our body doesn't matter, because our souls are saved, it doesn't matter how we live. We can do whatever we'd like. And it was a church who kept saying, no, the body matters. Reading the scriptures, especially the Hebrew scriptures, which speak of the body. The body matters. The way we live matters. And Christ came to bring redemption, not just to our souls, but to our whole selves. I mean, think about it. Uh, the resurrection of the body. Not just that our spirits go to heaven someday, but also that God will raise our bodies as well. This wholeness. That redemption is for whole people. And as I was reading this, listening to Isaiah, I was amazed or, or realized again at how deep God's redemption goes. I mean, it's important that our souls, that God works in our soul. But it's also important to understand that God is working in our bodies, that God cares about all of us, our whole person, all of who we are. So I see that not only is God uh, the way that he's redeeming us, but the depth of his, of his redemption. So Isaiah frames redemption in terms of our bodies, at least in this passage. But also I was realizing that this is also the way that, that Jesus worked. So this scripture, it's not just the message, but also the way the message is delivered. Because I think, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but 
was it necessary for Jesus to take on flesh and live among us? Was it necessary for him to be born as a helpless child in a manger? I think it's God's purposes, certainly. But I mean, he's God. Couldn't he just had Jesus just kind of float down from heaven on Good Friday and float over to a cross and hang there and then die, sort of, and then go up to heaven again? And was it necessary for God to get his hands dirty, to walk on the roads of Jerusalem, to walk on the roads from Galilee to Samaria? Tracy and I, we went went on a mission trip before we were married, and we walked um, old roads where animals would walk, burrows and donkeys and stuff. And the ground is that fine powdered mix of dirt, sand, and manure. <laughs> to think about our Lord took on flesh and walked these kind of roads. Got his hands dirty. Like people who the rest of the society wouldn't even talk to. Yet Jesus goes over and he begins talking with them. Just an example. I mean, the woman, if many of you have heard the story about a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and in her culture, she was untouchable because of her sickness. It made her unclean in their eyes or in their understanding. And because of this, no one would even talk to her. No one would even associate with her. And yet she touches Jesus, and she just barely touches him because in that time, if she would have touched a holy man, he would have gone crazy. Jesus says, who who has touched me? He talks about her faith healing her. It's amazing what God has done. And you know, I I know we've had 2,000 years to get used to the idea that God became human and lived among us. But sometimes we need need to be reminded just how crazy that is. I think about, I mean, as I listen to to people who are um, friends of mine who are Jewish, as they talk about God, about Yahweh, and he is so far from them. He is so far apart, so unhuman, that it becomes almost offensive for them to think of God becoming human. And yet that's precisely what God has done in his son, in Jesus. It's amazing to think about it. Because there's a hundred different ways God could have accomplished this. And yet he chose to get his hands dirty, to come to earth and become human. I was thinking of an example of this. and the, I was thinking about, you know, you can imagine if a great king... Imagine the most royal king you can imagine right now. And he wanted to save or to set free the slaves of his kingdom. Now I think of most kings, they would send out a decree. They would never even get off their throne. They would just send out a decree. Or maybe even like the most kind of um, 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 down-to-earth king, he might get off his throne and address the people in public. But how many kings would take off their robe? They would strip down and wrap a towel around themselves. And then they would go and become a slave to set slaves free. And yet this is what Christ has done. This amazing king, this God over everything, who created everything, he became human like us, that he might save us. And this is partly how Jesus identified himself. I don't know if you remember the story when John the Baptist, when he comes to Jesus, actually he sends his disciples to Jesus. 
And he says, are you the one that we are waiting for or should we expect another? Basically saying, Jesus, we're not sure if you're the guy we think you are. So far, not real impressed. And this is how Jesus replies. He says, go and tell John this. The blind blind receive sight. The lame are walking. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor, the good news is preached to the poor. This is earthy stuff. This is him speaking about redemption of whole people. This is the way Jesus identified himself. Not by uh, great philosophies or how um, new consciousness for people, but by healing in the body. Redemption of whole people. There's a saying that the medium is the message. It's a way of saying that the way we say it or the way we deliver the message is just, a mu- just as much as part of the message as the actual words of the message. So the fact that, that God took on human form and came and lived among us is just as much part of the gospel as the good news that we are saved. The way he did it is also part of the gospel. You with me on that? The way that Jesus came, the way that God took on flesh and lived among us, even the lowest of the low, Jesus still reached out to them. It shows us what God is like. You can imagine, I, maybe you guys might be able to relate to this a little bit, Robin and Mark. I was thinking about this too. You can imagine how the medium is the message. Imagine if Mark wanted to propose to you and he sent you a text. Will you marry me? Right? That's the message. The content is there, right? Will you marry me? What's wrong with that? Now, I haven't heard this story yet, but I imagine he probably was there in person, right? Right? I imagine he probably got down on one knee and asked her to marry you. That's the medium. Do you see what I'm saying? The medium matters. God could have dropped a Bible from heaven. He didn't. He came and he lived among us. He lived it in front of us. It shows us what God is like. The Apostle Paul was talking about this, uh, when, or the writer of Hebrews, when he said, you know, before God would send prophets to speak to us, but now he has sent his son. The king has sent his son. Not another messenger, not a written notice, but his son. The medium is the message. The way God tells us this good news is just as much part of the good news as the good news itself. And it reveals to us the love of God. Because God, this amazing king, was not afraid to get his hands dirty. To dirty his feet walking the ground where people walked on. To enter into the mess of our lives. The sin and the brokenness the ugliness of our lives that we try to keep away from everybody else, Christ enters into that and redeems us because of his love. This morning is Advent, is the week of love. We focus again on how God has loved us. And as I'm reading Isaiah, I'm realizing again, not just in God's message that he loves us, that's throughout scripture, but also the way that he came to us 
shows us his love for us, how deeply he loves us, the extent he would go to redeem us. Now, there's tons of of great stuff in, in Isaiah 35. I mean, if you read it, you'll see the message of hope. He talks about the deserts becoming oasis, about God's redemption and referring to when Christ comes again. He talks about redemption of whole people and his love for us. And he also, at the end, it speaks about the redeemed of the Lord. They'll enter Zion with, with singing and praise and darkness and sorrow will flee away about joy. There's so much here, but I pray this morning that you will hear God's love. That God, the way he came to save us is just as important as the fact that he came to save us. That he came, taking on flesh, diving right down into the muck and the mire of humanity. And he redeemed all of us, our soul and our bodies, our whole self. And he did it by living among us. This is good news. This shows us God's love for us. Amen.